Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight, Cooper, a sysadmin who lives open source solutions, Cursor, a software dev with a master's specializing in RF technology. Up first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. If you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at DangerousMinds.io and or email us at info at DangerousMinds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about it. Today we have a special bulletin as a previous guest of our show, Rich Lee, is currently going for a bit of a rough patch. As you know, we've had this as a special bulletin for a little while. Uh, and we just want to make sure everyone is still remembering to uh, go to his GoFundMe page, uh, which is about his fight for his kids. Um, and that link for that is GoFundMe.com forward slash CyborgDad. So that's GoFundMe.com forward slash CyborgDad. This week on Dangerous Mind Podcast, we're celebrating the 50 plus episodes by taking another look at the hosts, who they are, and why they do it. So thank you for joining us today. So Damien, could you please start by introducing yourself and telling us what biohacking, grinding, and transhumanism means to you? and your own grind, as it were. I'm Damien, one of the hosts of the podcast, as you know. Grinding transhumanism and biohacking to me means taking evolution into our own hands, uh, giving ourselves extra senses and extra abilities faster than nature. Whether that means healing an illness, um, allowing ourselves to do work easier, for example, the magnets, giving ourselves a sixth sense as well. It, yeah, it's just about making life easier and evolving, really. So with that in mind, can you tell us a little bit more about the man behind the handle? Who are you? What do you do? No, we're not going to go ahead with uh, the question of uh, kindergarten cop of who is your daddy and what does he do? We want to know about you. <laughs> really, I was talking about kindergarten cop earlier, just before we started the uh, podcast with my brother. So that was a uh, quite amusing for me, actually. Uh, so myself, I'm a IT sysadmin for Sega, who, as you probably know, make video games like Sonic and arcade games as well. So I work in the sysadmin section of their IT. In my spare time, it's all IT based and biohacking based. I'm currently looking to get a piercing license so that I can do piercing for dangerous things in the UK, cover their events and things like this. It's working out to be a bit more expensive than I'd like, to be honest. It's about two to five grand, depending on the course that I want to take. In the UK, the piercing licensing is a bit strange. You have to go per council. So I could get licensed at one council, but only be licensed to pierce at my house. Another one would license me at one specific studio and then one would license me for the entire county. So instead of going through all this faff all the time, I'm trying to get a license that will allow me to pierce anywhere in the UK. So instead of it coming from the council, it comes directly from the government. And I know uh, you're doing a different job to when I first met you, uh, which sort of reminds me of like when we first started this podcast. So how did you sort of get into the grinding scene and also how did you start the involvement in the whole podcast as, as you know before it became what it is now? I started off in the biohacking and grinding scene because of a bet, in all honesty. There was a guy at work called Vichel. He put his phone, uh, his pass for the doors, which was an RFID one I didn't know at the time, in the back of his phone. Said he managed to clone it into the back of his phone. So I thought, Do you know what? I've got a one bet on this. There's no way I can come second. Tried looking at cloning it to my phone and it wouldn't work. So I was wondering why. So I looked a bit more into the tech, how it worked, what the frequencies were. And then I thought, how can I better this? And about an hour of Googling, I found dangerous things. It was just coincidence. I put NFC tag and Google put implants in for me. I thought, oh, what's this? That's pretty cool. Let's have a look. Um, I saw Amal, wondered how safe it was at first. So I'd done quite a lot of research, uh, had a look at um, all the documents I could find on people that actually had this done. And from there, I ordered one about two weeks after I found the website. 
and went to my local piercing studio. She thought it was a bit weird at first. I went in and I went, right, this is a completely legitimate request. Will you just put a needle in and implant a glass tag into my hand? Uh, it took an extra two weeks from there because the way my piercer works, she does everything sort of very delicately. She was looking up the anatomy of the hand to make sure she didn't damage anything, where the veins were, looking at the guide, watching videos, doing everything she could. So that's how I got into it. What would you tell someone that is thinking about getting started in biohacking? In all honesty, what I would say is make sure you do your research. Make sure um, if you do want to start, uh, a piece of advice I'd always give to everyone, if you buy the tags, personally, I, I only buy from Dangerous Things, so I would definitely recommend them. But also, before you get it done, make sure you go and have a big meal about half an hour before you get the tag done. Um, just like any piercing, it'll make you lightheaded no matter how strong of a stomach you think you've got. Some people it will do that too, so it's better to eat beforehand. And also ask questions to anyone that you can find. Email them into Dangerous Minds. Uh, the email address is on the website at dangerousminds.io. And we'll be able to help you uh, choose the right tag for the application you're looking to use it for. What would you tell someone that's thinking about getting the first implant, i.e. sort of which one would you get, et cetera, et cetera? And I think you did one previously where you may have taken a video or um, seen a video as well. Do you reckon that would help them along, along the way? In all honesty, what I would tell people to do if they're going to get their first tag and they've got their heart set on getting an implant is I would say go with the X-Series first if it's their first implant because it's very easy and quick to do. Um, if it turns out it's not for you, it's easy to take off and um, you've also got more support in the X-Series in terms of readability in the outside world because of the two different types of tags. So I would ask them the application they're looking to use it for. I would then find out what, uh, say, frequency the current card is working on by getting them to scan it on their phone. If that doesn't work, we know it's um, most likely going to be something of an EM standard that is clonable or a HID card. And then from that, I can determine what I would recommend to buy tag-wise and then what I would recommend equipment-wise or to sort of clone the card, or if they're the sysadmin, they're just able to add the tag themselves to their lock-in system or to their project. Are you working on any other projects uh, within like a hacker space or uh, citizen science or are implants your, your main focus uh, as in a, a partner with DangerousThings.com? Working on projects-wise, what my goal is, is I'm trying to learn Python at the moment. I find it difficult to learn programming languages because I'll start the language, I'll then see commands and go, oh, I've got another use for that, then I could build this. But then with that, I could build this. And then I just get stuck in a loop of ideas in my head. So I'm trying to take Python step by step. Maybe then I can build another application and Cursor as well, when I've spoken to him, he said, once you've learned one language, it's much easier to then sort of adapt to another language. From there, I could, if I needed to then go over to C for some reason, I'd have an easier means of jumping over to create an application for us to use. I know Emil's already done this, but I would like to have vehicle start um, on my motorbike, but I will include sort of things like uh, central lock-in, potentially using something like a servo, little things like that, sort of every day making your life easier and possibly some applications coming out, but I wouldn't have any details on those because at the moment I'm trying to learn the language. I know when we first sort of um, met and sort of delved into the whole world of uh, what you can do with these kind of implants, you were very sort of hardware related. Is that still the case or are you going to shift towards the software end as you, as you speak about now? So I'm going to very much stay towards the hardware. I find that I'm more orientated to hardware. I'm much better at dealing with hardware. But having the understanding in software isn't going to hurt. Being able to say, for example, you sent me over a package and it had some code in it, and then I found a bug. Potentially, it's just one syntax that's wrong. I could maybe then change it and help out a little. It's, and then 
with you with hardware, you're not too bad at it yourself. I remember when you changed your car, having both aspects, but one person sort of specialised in any sector, would I think would be very beneficial. Fair enough. And and as you know, this is the you know special fifty episode podcast. So in your own grind, what has been your favourite or single best memorable moment in the past fifty episodes? Oh, do you know what? <laughs> That's a bit on the spot. We've had so many guests and so many good moments. There's there's always one that makes me laugh. And even though I wasn't there, it was the Tim Cannon episode with, guys, there's a squirrel on my laptop. I've heard it and it just makes me laugh every time. Coops, do we have to censor this? <laughs> <laughs> no, people will probably listen to it and be like, what are they talking about? And if you're at DEF CON... Yes. Spoiler alert. If you're at DEF CON, which Carcer will be at DEF CON this year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We will ha- play a couple of clips to entertain the audience. And at this point, it does look like thanks to Proface Bio Studios, which recently elected me as a member of their board of directors. Oh my God. What were they thinking? Right. We might also have a special treat for the audience as well. And yes, that is as much of a teaser as I am going to give other than it might glow in the dark and yet still be consumable. If you have any idea of what we're talking about, feel free to email us at info at dangerousminds.io. If you email your answer to that question, there might be something fun awaiting you at DEF CON. With all these episodes that we've done, everything that you, you've learned along the way that you've been exposed to along the way, how, how has that affected you to really think about what kind of impact you in your role with DMP you would like to make to where when eventually when somebody may meet you at a conference or in person, instead of just, Hey, I know you, Hey, can you implant me instead? What do you want them to think? As if they were Googling you, what would you really hope they, they get from it, get from your own grind as you're sharing it along the way? So with all the information that kind of I've gathered from all of our guests, I'm very much in the open source of information. So, I mean, if you've made it, get credit by all means, but being able to share information with people is invaluable in the things that we can create. So at some point someone might be stuck on a project and then they're like, Oh look over there, the DMP guys, they talk to a lot of people. They might know something or they might be able to point me in the direction of someone that can help. I want to be one of the people that comes to mind when someone goes, Oh damn, I'm stuck on a project, no idea where to go, but we can always contact these guys. I'll get a direct message and hopefully from what I've learned, either I could sort of give a, an insight to it by I'll say it'd be very vague because I'm no expert in every subject. That'd be impossible. That would mean to me that I've helped a project go through and I've helped someone create something awesome. I'd say that's what I want to gain out of DMP. I want to be able to help people complete their projects, even if I'm not sort of super involved or credited. Yeah, that really. And I think one of the important things um, that we're trying to achieve now, um, especially with the push from both you guys, is the DMU and also just the general platform that the podcast gives to people that are of the maker revolution so they can post up their stuff and you know share that knowledge. Yeah, so what I want to do is, hopefully soon, I'm looking for a decent screen recorder. I was using Ice Cream Sandwich, but the free version only gives you 10 minutes, and I think the paid version was about 60-odd quid. might be different now. I looked at quite a few of them. I might have a look at doing some Windows tutorials, because Android is easy to pick up. We can teach people on the fly, and I've got a couple of videos that I have been meaning to upload on that. Uh, and have just completely been a failure. The Windows tutorials on helping people unlock their machines, because, yeah, there's a lot of documentation to it, but nothing helps you like a visual aid. Um, I don't know about everyone else in either of you two guys or the listeners, but personally, I learn best when I can actually see it. 
and I can do it at the same time rather than just reading. So everyone learns in a different way, as you know. Maybe try and incorporate that to DM you, in a sense, if this is coming across in any way understandable. Yeah, we get what you mean. <laughs> in your sort of your role with DMP of Damien, has there been any challenges or hurdles that you've found? Um, and how was it solved? Or for matter, where was the last one? And have you had any, any sort of like boundaries or mountains that we've had to overcome along the way? There are plenty of boundaries and mountains along the way with DMP. We're interviewing guests that have amazing knowledge in their subject, and we're interviewing guests from a wide range of sort of expertise and areas that they work in. We're not just focusing on biohacking as such. For example, when we spoke to Oliver, we got to learn about CRISPR. So it's about knowing enough to have a conversation about what that person is working in. Then again, you've got to retain that information. So that's the hurdle. You've got to learn it within, say, the week, if we've got a lot of guests booked in. But then retaining that information over the week so that you can have a very good conversation that's going to be engaging for people and where you're not just kind of talking rubbish and making it on the fly. That's the most difficult part of keeping up with the guests. Have there been any moments in some of the recording sessions where your mind was completely blown by the topic and the person that we were interviewing? Also, are there any topics that we haven't covered or haven't covered enough in your opinion? And if so, what are, you know, give us your own opinion on that. Uh, a topic that I would like to see covered, but I'm going to say is a difficult one to cover is sort of biocompatibility. So we talk to a lot of biologists. We talk to a lot of people in the science area, but a lot of questions we get are, how do we know that this isn't going to go all wrong in our body and then make that area go all green and manky? When I see that question, I really like that because it shows someone is actually trying to do their research. So maybe an episode on how we know that Scott Glass is biocompatible. Not that we just know that it's compatible because someone else done the tests. Sort of what tests did they do? How did, what were the results? And has a paper been published? Why is some coatings bad but still used? For example, um, like myself with that silicon event, I found out, well, I looked it up. I wanted to know why. And the answer of it being silicon and carbon are, in a sense, natural enemies, if you want to say it like that. But it is still a valid coating if you get the medical grade. Why, in some sense, is it a natural enemy and doesn't like each other? But then how can it be used, being that we're a carbon environment? What's the science behind that? I've done a bit of light reading on it, but I wouldn't say I'd be able to explain it to anyone perfectly. So you just talked there about um, things like the silicon, etc. Um, and I know you've mentioned it in a few previous podcasts that we've had. Uh, you had a magnet implanted and removed. But just for the audience, what implants do you now have? And also, were there any other, other ones that were removed? And especially for that magnet, why was it removed? I'm going to go through um, the implants I have had and still currently have. My first implant was an XNT in my left hand, which I still have. Uh, it's used to unlock my phone, uh, it unlocks my PC, one of my PCs. It uses automated tasks, for example, wake on land. So if I walk in the house, I'm on the Wi-Fi, scan the tag. If the Wi-Fi is not on on the phone, it switches it on. Then it connects to my AP. Then it will send a wake on land request to my old tower currently because I've just rebuilt one. My second one was an XEM in my right hand that we then, within five minutes, instantly used to clone a pass into a car park. There is a video of that on YouTube. That has been removed because the blue cloner from DT, um, it does have a warning on the website and we do say it a lot in the groups. So I'm gonna assume that a lot of people know this. It sets a password on the tag, but if you lose the sweet spot on that tag, you can tear pages. So from my discussions with Amol, who basically when I asked him, he came back to me with a mass bunch of information I had no idea on. There are pages within the tag that set, uh, I'm going to say sort of the antenna, I'm not going to say frequency, but the tuning. 
I think that was torn in mine because I tried to read it over a hundred times with the proxmark. I didn't count it exactly, but I only got one response. So I've taken that out and I'm going to be sending that back to Amel so it can be tested. We can try and find a fix for other people that are getting this tag issue because it is becoming a wider issue. So why would we need to take out 10 people's tags when I could take out mine and get a fix? Hopefully we can deploy that on something cheap and easy like an Alderino. Even put it on an open source document so you can source the documents yourself and build it. Or if you're not confident, you can buy a pre-built one that is just at cost and shipping really. Uh, maybe kind of like an extra buck or two on top. After that, I was in March last year, I got the first Flex NT that was available to the public and I was really happy about that. So I got that put in my left middle finger. Um, I was going to go for the forearm, but I, what I wanted to do is wait until we had sort of payment sorted. And I'm going to put that, you guys will be able to see it here. So I'm going to try and put it just by the wrist, a bit further back than um, the joint. So where the bone is poking up and you can feel the little round. I'm going to put it a bit further back than there, maybe by an inch or two. At the same time, I got a magnet put in my right hand in the little finger. With that, it was the magnet was there, and DT hasn't had M31s for a long time. And after everything I'd read about the magnets, what they can do, what you can do with them, it was really quite exciting. So I thought, you know, I really want to try this. So I got one, and it cost me about 150 quid. Uh, it was a silicon one from Steve Howarth. Less than 30 days later, it started to, you could see the neoidium and the silicon coming out of the finger. For those of you that are a bit squeamish, maybe skip, press that plus 30 button on there. It was yellow, it was manky, it was hard skinned, it was pussy. You could see the neoidium, you could see the silicon, you could literally touch the silicon. It was a solid hole in my finger. My piercer, Titch at Time Bomb in Croydon, she saw the picture. And I called her up about four or five hours later and her exact answer, I went, hey, it's Ryan. And she goes, I've been expecting your call. I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, so that had to be taken out. Thankfully, with it already more or less coming out, put a bit of Emla cream on there, which really works for me, but no one else seems to think it works. But that's another thing I wouldn't mind finding out why. So, Cursor, you can uh, attest to it not working for you. And I, don't, I don't know when it worked for you, but I swear to God. <laughs> I swear it worked on my flex and it worked on my magnet and it worked on this one here. You, you were even there for that. I didn't get any extra numbing. I think um, people would say go, going raw dog. I think that's what they call it. <laughs> on, on a flex with this magic Emla cream, which I've never seen work. I, th I think, to be fair, uh, Damien was going for a laugh because I was sat there for 45 minutes trying to jab out the, the pocket for the flex and um, this Emla cream was not helping. It didn't look like it worked for you at all. You looked like you were in quite a bit of pain when we done that. You were like sitting there and you just see, you know the strain on someone's face, Cooper, when they're trying to hold the pain back, they're trying to be the beefy man. It was just too painful, it looked. We got, what was that um, green jelly stuff that we got? Uh, you've got to throw it in an open cut and it just numbs the area within like two, three minutes. Something I think used in the tattoo industry, because um, unlike America, we can't do things like um, local anesthetics or anything like that. We just have to like, you know, firm it. Yeah, in America, uh, certain states that is, because some of them you're not allowed to do subdermal work. But some states in America, you're actually allowed to use lidocaine, which is much better and you're allowed to inject it which would be perfect for us in the uk yeah the fun part about that is uh most states as far as topical lido you can not go above four percent and often enough the lido injectable that you'll you'll see used is only two percent i can definitely attest that on uh very sensitive areas getting a tattoo Lido at 6% is perfect and lovely. I would not want it all to have to depend on 2% because uh, in my own experience, that lasts about 10 minutes. And yeah, not, not good. But the, the topical 6% is 
absolutely beautiful for a, a sternum tattoo. I'm just going to go a bit more onto that as per my understanding. It all depends on how your body works and how quickly it can react to a foreign body. The 2% might be perfect for, say, Cursor, but as you say, imperfect for yourself. It may be that Cursor's body doesn't get rid of foreign bodies as fast and it doesn't attack them as fast with white blood cells. I think it's because I'm hard in general. <laughs> uh, for those of you that can't see his flex in his muscles now, I mean, you should see those guns. I'm thinking it's more because uh, 2% would be perfect for him because he's actually 2% my size. Wow. (laughs) I was wondering how far along we'd get before the size jokes came out, guys. Well, Uh, come on, Pocket. That was a funny story in London with Amor. We'll we'll have have to to save that story for your interview. Indeed, indeed. Well, actually, Cursor wasn't there for uh, the Pocket joke coming out he was just there for the brunt of everyone calling him pocket and he wondered why for the longest like longest time about six hours the thing with the key with emla that i found is be very liberal because the tubes are pretty pretty small again those of you that can't see i'm going to do a size would you say guys that's about maybe four inches in length that's including the cap and the unit of measure if you need for four inches please don't pull that out Live on camera. <laughs> it's more like two inches, you know, just keep it away. Don't, that's something we don't want to see, especially since it's an audio podcast. You can't share it with the world, and frankly, we don't need to be shared with. Yeah, those of you on audio, be thankful at the moment. Yeah, the key with Emla is be very liberal with it, then wrap yourself in, like, wrap the area in cling film and make it airtight with medical tape. That way, it's not evaporating because it evaporates faster than the human body can absorb it. So if you've wrapped it up airtight, yeah, it's still going to slightly evaporate in there. But it's going to evaporate, it's going to hit the clean film, and then just drop back down to where you had it originally. Then, therefore, still working as your body absorbs it. Uh, I think that's 4 maybe 5% lidocaine. Um, some of them, I think, maybe a Novocaine as well, which is sort of like Lidocaine's baby sister. So I'm going to move on to my next implant after that. My next one was a massive four centimeter long, and I think it's 0.4 centimeters in diameter, maybe half a centimeter in diameter. It is massive. That's the one that Curse was there for when he got his flex done. I've got that in my left hand in the knife edge. That is a UID changeable MyFair Classic card. Change all the sectors, including sector zero. Basically, do whatever you want with it. The implant after that was when Amal came to London. We went to an event called New Scientist in the Excel Center. And afterwards, we went back to the hotel rooms. And Amal knew about my break with XCM. And he said to me, as per what he does all the time, if a tag breaks, he replaces it on the spot. Well, not on the spot, but as soon as he can. I said to him, wait until he's in London because it was easier. So we're back at the hotel room. I think it was the day after Amal done curses. And we put mine in my left hand. It's about an inch and a half away from my XNT. They don't interfere with each other. They work perfectly. Um, I've never had an issue with either of them, and I use them both for different locks. I've even had one reader that is dual frequency, so it could read both tags, but the inch and a half kind of gave it the separation it needed with the orientation, being a flat pane reader, that it wouldn't be read. That is currently all my implants, although I do plan to get a bucket load of magnets. Going back to where you mentioned the blue plane, I thought it'd be a good idea just to mention to the listeners that um, I think there's currently some work being done on that to try and find an alternative solution. And I think Amel's calling for help for anyone that does want to join that project. Uh, the best way to see that is uh, forum.dangerousthings.com. There you'll be able to see an update of exactly what the problem is, how the cloner should work. And there's a thread also of, of people that are trying different things to sort out. So if you guys do have time, anything you can give to that project, do jump over there and and update it from. Just to spread further on that, uh, the XEM uses a T5577 chip, and you can get those in card form for probably about 5p a card if you order them in bulk off of Alibaba. It's 
pretty damn cheap. They just take a while to come. Also, anyone working on that project, if you do come out with anything on the cards that is working, what you can do is contact myself on Facebook, Ryan Damien Chandler from the group, and I'll be able to sort you out a free XEM. But they are in limited numbers, and they are free because Dangerous Things is really trying to find a fix. So Amor has said I can give a few away. Talking about implants, what implant do you feel is missing in the world? What, what do you hope or what's your dream implant to be developed? Uh, furthermore, with all the implants that you currently have, which one is the next one you would like to put in your body? I'm going to start with the next one I want to put in my body. I really want that to be a Jacob card that can support payments, but then also support other applications if we get to that stage. The provisioning on that is a bit difficult, and the way that the banking system does their provisioning is a pain in the neck. And you have to get EMV certified. I think it's the same in the States. And it costs ridiculous money, sort of like three quarters of a million and yeah, no one has that kind of money just laying down the couch. So everyone move your couch cushions and see what you can find. Maybe help out. <laughs> we might get close. As for missing in the world, see, I always wonder this myself when we're asking our guests. Some of the answers we've heard are fantastic. and I couldn't agree with them more. But then there's so many that we hear. But what I'm going to say is mixing of the medical applications in the sense that it can sort of like the XBT take your temperature but then it can also help analyze your blood without the use of a needle to diagnose a problem or maybe if you've got an existing condition of diabetes it will instead of having a set lifespan like the ones we have now will be a permanent fix not to diabetes but it will alert you whether that be via a smartwatch, an app, sound, something to say, look, now your insulin's low, do this, which will then also allow people not to overdose on insulin. Not 100% sure on what the comebacks are for overdosing on that, but then it also means people are not going to, um, is it underdose on insulin? So they end up going into sort of like a diabetic shock thing. Um, but it can be used across multiple current disabilities that are out there. It will alert people if they're maybe possibly getting a disability towards that, tell them to go get checked, but then also bring in the easiness of life that we have it now with the implants and mixing it with technology. You'd be able to use it to go in your house, through your doors, pay for stuff. I mean, this one is a long, long way away, but I think there is... I've forgotten the name now. Um, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. They're working on it at Grindhouse Wetware, where they're looking at ones that will be able to help with medical issues, being able to diagnose them, potentially see ones that are coming up, find out, say, blood sugar levels, everything like that in one implant would be fantastic. Even if you had to split the technology out of it and just put it in another one, I still think both of those together would be amazing. So just to jump back a moment, you had mentioned that you wanted to next put in your body a, a payment system chip. I didn't recognize the system that you had mentioned, but it just makes me say, wouldn't that then be maybe a Vivo key uh, that a few of us are waiting on seeing come from Dangerous Things? Only there's like a handful of betas currently out now. Technically, yes, because the Vivo key does work on Jacob. But the provisioning of the tag, uh, for the most part, has to be done at the bank itself. In London, within the M25, we've got a bank called Metro. And they're able to provision cards in every one of their stores. So you go and open an account, and they print you a bank card there and then. But you can only do the provisioning of that specific tag if you've got, one, the machine, two, the licensing, three the funds because the machines aren't cheap so it wouldn't be the case of you buy a tag or send your machines provision i think it would more be the case of either you can yourself invest in a provisioning machine and sort of have yourself as a hub everyone can come to you 
and then Dangerous Things has full con- full control of the machine, but to a sense of it being secure, a provisioning file gets sent down and then written to the tag. I would also then like it to be so. The way I describe this to people is like a brick wall when you're provisioning. The bricks are all there, but they can't touch each other because of the mortar. Each brick would be its own different application. One brick could be your payments, and then another one for another application, whatever you'd have, and so on, for until you're out of memory, essentially. Okay, so is that the right, the right way to sort of be saying how the Jacob works? Is the brick wall analogy any good? It's a very complicated schema. But you, you are pretty close in terms of like simplifying it. It's a case if you have applications and each application has like a unique identifier, the thing that calls that selects the application with the application ID. And then it runs as a normal Java card would, uh, whether that's like an applet or a servlet for those of you that, that have done Java. You know, again, again, it's, it's one of those things where if you're interested in it, you know, it is, it is going to be the future. Search it up learn what you need to learn. There's a platform that's, that's opening up for, for development in that. And hopefully when we have the opportunity, um, we'll be building to allow people to create their own projects and it, it will fuel itself in the end. Speaking about projects in general, what would you say for you, Damien, is the main hurdle keeping you from being able to do some projects like your motorcycle project or just in general, any hurdles with the maker community and and their embracement in in implantable technology the main hurdle for the motorcycle is there's this guy that i know and i lent him my em access controller and he's still got it so i can't really use that it's it's a friend that i met from the uh, the Facebook group, you know. I seriously set myself up for that question, didn't I? <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> um, so, with that, the way that I want to do it is I want to incorporate the central lock into it. So, I need to have sort of a language under my belt because doing that, I do have yourself to ask questions to, but you've got enough work as well, enough projects to be coding for that coding this would just be another project on your plate so being able to code myself like I say mixing the hardware and the software aspect of it I'll be able to produce a bit more because at the moment it would be sort of an antenna that I could design but what design can I try that Amor hasn't tried because I mean look at that guy he's he's bloody done everything he's even stuck a a tag in a chicken and then cooked it for 45 minutes. My favourite video so far. <laughs> I thought that was really funny when I watched it. I was like, you listeners, uh, if, you, if you haven't seen this yet, again, uh, forum.dangerousminds.com, check out the testing that's been done on these tags, which is a great article anyway. Um, and along there you will find the video where Amor has personally cooked the implant in a chicken and it looks like a tasty chicken. He's got the whole garnish on the side and everything. Just missing the sauce. But how do you, I'm expecting that to be a drop down on dangerous things. Now. How do you like your tag? Do you like it well done, medium rare or completely wrong? <laughs> and what you've learned from previous episodes, how do you think we as biohackers and grinders can overcome the challenges of moving biohacking out of the realm of just simply a subculture and taking it mainstream to greater society, making it more acceptable and accessible to the muggles. I like your Harry Potter reference there. Well played. I think bringing it to the mainstream, uh, my opinion is going to be, it's going to take time. There was a test done and I think 70% of all millennials would be open to implanted tech. But then if you're looking at the older generation that we currently have now, and sort of, I'm going to say older than myself, anything older than 30, very few people other than the technology sector are not very open to this. They, I think they've kind of defaulted to the movies and the misconceptions there, whereas the new generation understand technology a bit better and, well, understand the explanations as well and a lot easier. So the tech people, like I say, currently everyone I've spoken to is actually really open to implanted technology, but 
those people that have taken the misconceptions are just outright against it. And but the millennials, I think, are going to bring this more mainstream. They're going to see us doing things. They're going to go, oh, that, that, that's pretty cool. I don't have to carry keys around anymore. It's another piece of technology. And I can't forget it. And people born after 1990 lose things very frequently, always forget something at home, whether that be their wallet, their keys, their phone, some, well, never their phone. That'd be stupid. So, yeah, it's the convenience that the millennials are going to want. So that's what I think is going to bring it into the mainstream. And um, what projects, uh, as you say, you're, you're going to work on a fair few, are you hoping to sort of share on Dangerous Minds University uh, and the Dangerous Minds YouTube channel, which uh, we're currently working on? Any spoilers that you want to show for the work you're doing, seeing as our guests have been so generous with theirs? <laughs> so my ideas, I've already floated the best ones out. The other ones are just sort of little rubbish things that most people have already done but I wouldn't mind adding extra things to what they've done. So for example, the unlocking of your machine, it wouldn't be start up a program, for example, because just stick a shortcut in your startup folder and in app data and there you go, job done. But being able to say, if you've, I don't know if it would work by UID or something or how this is going to work, but an idea would be you've got your reader, you scan your tape once, it does something. If you scan it twice within two seconds, it'll do something else and so on up to say three or four because otherwise it just gets ridiculous and out of hand i think that would be pretty cool but that's going to be something again later down the line because of programming languages but everything even if it's just an idea or anything that i have made and i can make guides for i will be popping on youtube on our channel i will be popping documents and videos what I'll be doing is I'll be videoing the entire process. So it's not going to be, you're going to see the refined product. You're going to see me fucking up. You're going to see me breaking stuff. But the point in that is then one, I've got it all. I've got it all recorded. I don't have to redo it. That's just a bit of laziness. But then you also see where I screwed up. So you don't screw up yourself because it's very easy to do that. You make the same mistakes as the person that's made a complete guide on how to do something. And you do one step wrong. Whereas if you've already foreseen that coming because someone's shown you, you're less likely to make an easy mistake. And then possibly you could go, oh, I avoided this, but Damien didn't hit this problem. And then you can add bits to it as well. So bringing it towards a community, which would also help towards the mainstream and overcoming obstacles, which was part of the last question I forgot to answer. It's just a very much community-based thing. We've all got to work together, help each other, and bring some awesome stuff to the table, really. That's my opinion. Is there anything you'd like to say to the greater community, a.k.a. our own DMP nation that drives us? After all, if it wasn't for their support, we wouldn't be doing this still. Now at 50-plus episodes and... Uh, almost 30,000 downloads as of April 30th, 2017. Well, it's more, it's a big thank you really, because like you say, without them, we wouldn't be continuing to do this. We wouldn't be able to try and help the community that bit more. It's kicked off much better than I expected at this point. I didn't expect to have 30,000 downloads. In all honesty, I'd expect maybe 10,000 at very, very most. That was kind of my aim, but that's been smashed. That was smashed a while back. So thank you everyone for your support and tuning in, subscribing. It's more or less keeping us afloat on what we're doing, really. It's a drive and the drive is everyone subscribing. So if you haven't, you know where the button is. And so Damien of Dangerous Mind Podcast, how are people able to keep up to date with your work, your projects? I think there's only one answer for this, else you get sacked immediately by Cooper. If I'm making a guide or something, um, it'll be posted onto the YouTube channel. There can be, I can give you direct links to watch it. I don't know, some countries have banned YouTube and we do have biohackers there. So give us uh, an option where you're able to download a video from. In that case, I'll be able to send you a direct link. They'll be on Dangerous Minds University, dangerousminds.io. And I will also be posting a couple of links to Facebook here and there as when I've completed a project. Considering we are currently in talks with a new sponsor, 
then uh, we can definitely already plug them by saying, if you are blocked by one of the sources, then very soon we will be endorsing a very stable and quite fast solution for such things as this, because mm. the solution is a virtual private network, greater known as a VPN. And yes, we are glad to say that we are in heavy talks with Axion VPN to sponsor uh, the efforts of Dangerous Minds Podcast, and they are just a great solution. I myself have already used it in the past, still use it currently, and look forward to doing some tutorials with this product, showing you how easy it is to set it up and use it on Mac. Windows, and of course, Linux. But there are some simple things you need to do to get it up and running, but once you get it going, then you can use it if you're a gamer to get games, game updates quicker, faster, before everybody in your area. Uh, if you have stuff blocked in your area, then you can then access it by appearing that you're actually not from that specific geolocation, but another one. There are endless uses, especially if you go out in public. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm talking about leaving your house. Le walking outside of the house, going into public, whether it be a coffee shop or just traveling for work or pleasure, when you get on Wi-Fi, don't you want to keep your stuff safe? I like to wear clothes when I go outside. It's kind of the same thing. You don't want to walk out with your dangly bits dangling in the wind. Why? Without a VPN, it's like having your dangly bits out in the wind for everyone to see, everyone to go, oh my God. Look Why? how small Pocket's penis is. <laughs> oh, I, I should have known that was going there, but hey, that's, this is a way to wear pants in public. Yes, I'm saying Axiom VPN is a way to wear pants in public, at least through your Wi-Fis and your 4Gs and 3Gs your LTEs or a CM, blah, 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 whatever. Are there any final comments or questions from Cursor or Damien? I wish I had some more questions for Damien, but seeing as the fact that I can't escape him if I wanted to, um, I've probably exhausted my list of questions I have for him. We, da Damien doesn't live too far away from me. I've tried to move. Um, the current situation in housing in the UK is not great. I've tried different countries, but they won't have me because of Brexit. So I'm, I'm quickly running out of options. So if anyone has any couch space that I could run away from him, do let know. Um, and I'll be able to find some questions for him. Well, Mr. Robot, I believe you know, one way you can get pretty far away from him is by going to DEF CON this summer. And yes, this is definitely an advertisement for DEF CON Biohacking Village. If you want to come meet two out of three hosts for the biohacking portion of our podcast, feel free to come meet up with us at DEF CON. And yes, if we're lucky, we might even have a couple of the hosts from the InfoSec side of the podcast. I know at least one will be there because he often can be seen running the audio and video for B-Sides Las Vegas. I spoke there last year talking about biohacking feel free to check out B-Sides Las Vegas for more information on that. Just simply put it into your Google browser. And also there is Biohacking Village. Now, why am I talking about Biohacking Village? It's because both Cursor and I will be there along with one of our good friends from Two Cyborgs and a Microphone. So there will be all three of us there working that village doing audio and video editing, as well as we will be recording a live episode of Dangerous Minds Podcast that will probably be rebroadcast on two cyborgs and a microphone gladly, as well as rebroadcast on Security Endeavors Podcast as well. Also, we will probably have in one of the corners of the hallway outside of it, not sure yet because I've never been to Caesar's Palace so I can't tell you exactly where we're going to have this setup, but we will have a setup of a video camera and mic so that you can walk up and tell us what biohacking means to you in person. Yeah, a couple episodes back, we shared with you just a cut and paste of a few answers of this question from previous guests. 
that will be a way in person at a con you can come up and answer that question yourself and we look forward to that opportunity as well as our live broadcast which we hope will be much like the talk that i gave at the biohacking village last year a drinking game enjoying the time that we have together as far as the rules on that as far as the phrases to drink from We'll find out when we get there. I'm sure DMP or Dangerous Minds, anytime we say either of those two phrases, you'll need a drink, as will we, to enjoy it and just get to know everyone better as well. Cursor and I will also be there to help implant people on behalf of DangerousSayings.com, which is our first sponsor. And we are also partners with Dangerous Minds, so don't worry. It's... Uh, not a scary thing to have us implant you. We have been uh, beaten and trained by Amel profusely. Yes, beatings will continue until m morale improves. Yeah, so, Damien will be uh, plugged in for all the way from the UK um, for the majority of that, if he can stay awake. <laughs> and um, we'll be doing the podcast with him, and I'm sure you would be able to ask him your own questions if you have any. Definitely want to hope that the Wi-Fi will be good enough for that to be able to Skype him in and not just Skype in Mr. Robot to join us. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and be there kind of virtually. Uh, I did put in the chat, it'll be my Jarrell impression. But there is one more comment actually that I did want to add. Uh, so anyone that's planning on dropping over to London, whether that for, that's for B-Sides London and an event that's unrelated and you just want to meet some other biohackers, let me know. Um, I'll be happy to meet up with you. I know a couple of biohackers at a local hacker space and also Cursor, I'm sure wouldn't mind meeting some people if he's not working. I'm sure I'll be around for that. Once again, we want to say thanks for Damien for being the first victim of this uh, three-part series of being able to take a closer look at the people behind this, the hosts that are working for you, our com greater community, our DMP nation, as it's being called. The first 50 episodes have been a bit of a journey, and we hope to continue this journey with y'all each week as we take a closer look of uh, the tech and the people behind it within this fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, implantable technology, and network security. So please feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments. You're welcome to find us at dangerousminds.io, our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash dangerous minds podcast. And perhaps maybe one day we'll talk to you about the work and or projects you're exploring and developing. Until next week, seek the spark. Interface. We're gonna stick it in your face, till it in your brain and interlace. There's an arms war on, and we're gonna win the race. Leave everything a race, bring the base. Man. I really thought we was gonna go with a serial killer joke there. I could jack the ripper sort of thing. <laughs>